Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. the watchtower by guitar legend Jimi Hendrix. He died in 1970, asphyxiation from vomiting after drug and alcohol use. Janis Joplin belts out, tell mama, she too died in 1970, heroin overdose. When you're strange by the doors with Jim Morrison, he died in 1971, heart failure from drug and alcohol use. Recently, Kurt Cobain of Nirvana with his rock anthem, Smells Like Teen Spirit, he died in 1994, suicide. All rock stars, all dead at age 27. Now, Amy Winehouse, cause of death still unknown, but she too joins the so-called 27 Club. Eric Siegelstad and Josh Hunter wrote a book asking why they die so young. The quote that uh, Janis Joplin told her biographer back in 1970 or so was, people, whether they know it or not, uh, like their blues singers miserable. Maybe my audience can enjoy my music more if they think that I'm destroying myself. And I think that that's a quote that, you know, Amy probably would agree with. It's an unexplained statistic that's become both rock and roll myth and legend. And as we see crowds of fans come to pay tribute to Amy Winehouse's home here, many are asking, if aspiring artists are in danger of glorifying the 27 Club. Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our faithful groupie, Slick Frank Sanders. Slick Frog Sanders here, Mike, Dave, top of the morning. It is an absolutely beautiful December day. It's gray, it's windy. Hope you guys mm. are loving it. Classic New England. It's crisp. Crispy as shit. Well, it's crispy where I am, but not a cloud in the sky. The whole sky is a cloud here. <laughs> <laughs> the whole state is a cloud. Hushlings, do we have a treat for you today? This is actually a Hushling requested topic. This is going to be an interesting one today. Hushlings, this week for Debriefing 39, we are going to be taking the stage and doing a deep dive into the infamous 27 Club. We're going to be cracking open some beers and some mysteries of the origins, the members, and everything in between. So find your place in that pit, and we'll see you there. (laughs) But before we sign our membership agreement, make sure to follow us on all social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let's not forget, Hushlings, the official website of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour www.hushhushsociety.com Where you can find all of our audio, our cryptid chronicles, our declassified discussions, as well as our debriefings like this one, our blogs, some news, and please drop a review. Mm, Yeah, we love those reviews. That's the the voice that I'm going to do with the next cryptid uh, erotica. It's fucking gross. Mm, Yeah, it's, it's looking good. 
Also, don't forget, like we said, this is a hushling submitted topic for this episode. We are always looking for new topics and always willing to take your suggestions. You can hit us up at contact at hushhushsociety.com. Just log into your little email, say, hey guys, it's me. And don't you think for a second that Slick Frank Sanders was going to remind you that at www.hushhussociety.com you can purchase the drippiest drip on the round spherical earth, Hush Hush Apparel. We've been saying it for a while now, new designs are coming. Well, guess what? New designs are here, and they're going to be slapped onto sick-ass threads that you can purchase for yourself to represent the society. Check it out. It's going to be a moist slap. Hustronauts, we have a Patreon. It is live. There are two tiers, and you can hear erotic tales from Mike or some news from me and Frank. Frank and I. You can check all of that out, subscribe, do everything at www.patreon.com slash hushhushsociety. We are going to be doing a special debriefing for our hustling tier patrons pretty soon. We've been talking about it. We have the Frank Factor coming out every month. We have the Cryptid Erotica that's coming out every month. If you're into that silky, silky voice. And we're going to be starting up our X-Files watch-alongs very soon, as soon as you join our Discord server. If you don't have Discord, it's very easy to download and use, and you join the server over there. We watch the X-Files every week, and the boys will be there. We'll be chatting in the chat and talking it up, yucking it up, having fun. Make sure to head over to Patreon and see what we got to offer. Tune in January 10th, Monday, as always, on Facebook for our 40th debriefing, where we're going to have our normal trivia, our recaps, and taking a seat with the panel for Agenda 21, as well as infiltrating Skull and Bones. Hushlings, be there or be square. 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday, 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 January 10th. 2022. Oh, shit. Already? I'm feeling quite new. Are you? New year, new you? Yeah, new year, new me. Um, Same bullshit, though. New year, same me. Fuck your life. Bing bong. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you, the hushlings, might be asking yourself, what is the 27 Club? Maybe you haven't heard of the name. The 27 Club is shrouded with mystery and infamy. Tragic tales of rock stars and lost souls. Membership to the exclusive club is granted one way and one way only. Death at the age of 27. The cultural phenomenon commemorates musicians, artists, actors, and athletes who died at the age of 27. The high-risk lifestyles of the individuals in the club had direct repercussions such as suicide, homicide, drug and alcohol misuse, or transportation-related accidents. Between 1969 and 1971, when Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison all died at the age of 27, this pattern was born. People noticed that so many superstars died at the same age in such a short period of time. The term 27 Club was not officially adopted until Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain died in 1994. Amy Winehouse, also who died in 2011, was 27, which drew even more attention to the club. When it comes to the origins of the 27 Club, 
all of the yarn on our corkboard leads to one man, Robert Johnson. Now, Johnson at the age of 19 performed on street corners here and there, but he was far from a great musician. Yet, he was self-assured and eager to perform at any given chance. During Sunhouse's and Willie Brown's blues performances in Robbinsville, Mississippi, Johnson would take one of their guitars during intermission and take advantage of the open stage to play some music. The crowd didn't like it. They would practically boo him off. <laughs> he was not good, but he was just so enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. He's like David Koresh, bad musician. That was like Charles Manson. He was like a really good musician. I have one of his records. He could have been something special. I bought it at the Museum of Death. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, the second time I went, I bought one of Manson's records. It's in my bookshelf. You sometimes sometimes play it? Yeah, and I just stare in the mirror the entire time. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson was not seen or heard from again until months later, until he appeared at another House and Brown show in Banks, Mississippi. Johnson asked for permission to perform a song on stage, and House allowed it, probably feeling pretty bad for him out of pity. When he got on stage, it was clear that Johnson wasn't the same old sap that had been torn to shreds just a few months prior. He absolutely killed it, and the crowd was in disbelief, as was House and Brown. It seemed almost impossible for someone to get so good so fast. Hmm, sus. How good can you get? This was uh, a few months later. He might have just been tirelessly practicing in his cabin. He definitely could have been, but the story of Robert Johnson is, there's a couple things that like raise a few eyebrows, especially with him. So his, his entire music career was over the course of three years. And the majority of that three years, like a whole year of it, he was absolute garbage. Like we mentioned before, he, he would go try to get on stage at local gigs and get booed off. He would play street corners and people would look at him with a crooked side eye because it sounded like he was deranged or drunk or something. <laughs> and he, he just comes out of the blue, nasty, just absolutely disgusting. I think he has 29 total songs and all of which were recorded in two sessions, one in November 1936 and the other in June of 1937. I don't know, it seemed like he was almost like in a rush to get as much out as he possibly could. Banging out 29 songs in two recording sessions seems pretty quick to me even though they were kind of spread out. But with his short duration of like his career and how fast he came to be, he went down in history as one of the OGs and blues and rock influencers. All of these huge bands that people are listening to now from back in the day, the, the boomer idols and the people that the boomers grew up with, all of those people were inspired by this dude at one point or another. So to see him hold that sort of influence after such a short career and after this weird outburst and skill was strange. Very interesting. Yeah, it is. It's crazy, actually. So he had 29 songs and they were good enough where he kind of built a reputation. So how do you go a few months ghosting and then all of a sudden come back and have 29 bangers? I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe he just got good fast, like I said. G good kid. I've seen it. I've seen people get real good real fast. Okay, so within months? We should listen to these songs and see if they're bangers or not. <laughs> I, I listened to some of them, and I I am no jazz head. I am no blues aficionado, but they were good. 
they were good. And I can see how this dude had the influential pull on the people that he did, which again, yeah, people might get good fast, but by no means are they going on to inspire and influence some of rock history's greats. True. It could have been some sort of marketing ploy by him, you know, where he is working in the background on all these songs and coming up with all these great things and he actually maybe was already a great musician and then would just go out there and purposefully look like shit so he just slept everybody he was just the og sleeper musician some athletes do that yeah yeah exactly that's a way to make your contract go up and stuff like that especially when it applies to athletes and sports but with this it could have been kind of the same thing where he had this skill and he had this talent it just rang with him he was like okay well i'll look like shit for a bit and people will think that i'm nothing and then i'll wait for a big show or something or when i when i feel the time is right and i'll go out there and i'll just kill it and people will be amazed and then i'll be like a sensation that very well could have been the case it's a bold move though but it works assuming that is what happened and that's what johnson had in his thought process for his career it'd be a pretty genius marketing ploy honestly it would have been if he had gotten to see his fame and glory Mm. it would Mm. have been a genius marketing ploy Let's find out why he's our OG 27 Club death. He died under mysterious circumstances on August 16th, 1938. After he played a gig in a bar in Greenwood, Mississippi, he was feeling ill, so he was brought back to a friend's house. He crashed on the couch or the bed, wherever they threw him. (laughs) The next morning, he was found lifeless. There are a few theories around the blues legend's death, as there was no autopsy. Why not? Uh, It was the 30s. He was a nobody... (laughs) Well, he was a somebody at that point. I mean, he was getting to be a somebody. So here's the thing. I don't know if he actually was a somebody yet. I don't have the exact date on like when his music was released, if it was post-mortem released to the public Uh, on vinyls or whatever they were listening to in the 30s, because the last of his recordings were in June of 1937. Just a little bit over a year later, he passed away. So I don't know if his music was actually out and able to listen to on the ready or if he was just doing like live shows at this point and people didn't have his music at home or anything. Some of the theories about his death, they included poisoning, syphilis, and hushlings. Possibly a deal with the devil. Wasn't there so many songs about meeting the devil at the crossroads? And there was like a legend of, I forget the blues player who made a deal with the devil. Was it him? Yeah. Maybe you're thinking of Devil Went Down to Georgia with the the fiddle battle. No, 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 no. This This was the guitar player at the crossroads. I've actually seen a long-ass documentary about this guy now that you're talking about The Crossroads. Yeah, there is a Netflix documentary, Devil at the Crossroads. Yep, and it's about this dude. So that's where that blues legend comes from. Wow, so there you go, connecting the dots. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, as legend goes, Johnson walked to a crossroads at midnight and got down on his knees after being booed off stage and gave his guitar to the devil, whether he summoned it or whether the devil just appeared. It depends on what version of the story you hear. There's no definitive answer. The devil said to him, once you take this guitar back from me, your soul is mine. And Johnson agreed. It's said that Johnson accepted the deal, a trade, his soul in exchange for timeless talent that would be known throughout history. 
Mm. I love how Tenacious D played off on that. That's all I could think when I was like looking into this fucking Tenacious Be D. You thing. angels? And we said nay. <laughs> Classic devil, though. It's like a monkey's paw type of thing. You get what you ask for, but then the way the wish is interpreted or what the devil throws at you in the meantime. Oh, well, yeah, you can have endless talent that goes on for all time, but you won't be alive to see it. Exactly. Let's take a look at some of the other individuals that are part of the 27 Club. There's many, many members, but we will look at some of the more famous ones. First off, let's talk Brian Jones. He was the founding member of the Rolling Stones. He was the band's original guitarist, and he was found dead at the bottom of his pool in July of 1969. The coroner declared it death by misadventure. Brian Jones had drowned while under the influence of alcohol and drugs. That'll do it. The guitarist had been on a downward spiral for years. Drug abuse and alcoholism left him looking pasty and overweight. That's important to note because during the founding years of the Rolling Stones, he was pretty boy picture guy, right? All the chicks wanted him. All the dudes wanted to be him. And after years and years of, of this spiraling out of control, he was just looking wild. It really got the best of him. From being the charismatic founder of the Rolling Stones, he had been edged out by his increasingly rocky relationship between Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, who had not only taken his place as the frontman in the band, but had also taken his girlfriend, Anita Pallenberg. Wow, oh, shit. Keith Richards, Mr. Studio Bitch. Wow. So on top of kicking him out of a group that he founded, he goes and takes his girl too. Damn. Mr. Brian Jones became the member the others talked about behind his back, mocked by them, and finally he was kicked out. He retreated to his large country house, which would inevitably become his final resting place. Taking into account Brian's history with the band, many fingers point to murder as opposed to an accidental drowning. The strongest theory suggests the band's chauffeur, Tom Keelock, aka The Fixer, so he would handle like all the drama within the band and kind of get them acting right again after they were, you know, uh, beefing. The theory suggests that he had something to do with this proposed murder. Do you think he was related to Princess Diana's driver? Um, it's interesting that you say that. It is very, very, very interesting that you say that. No, he's not He's not related. He's like an ex-paratrooper, like ex-military guy. He was a chauffeur for like another big band as well. I can't recall the name. Well, of course, there's also whistleblowers. And in this theory, they cite everything from destruction of evidence to a, quote, committee that Keylock formed to take down Brian seamlessly. They really had it out for this guy. Another theory suggests that Mr. Jones was assassinated for having a secret affair with Princess Margaret of the royal family. Oh, damn. You think the royal family whacked him too? Maybe. Could you imagine if the royal family is just murderous fiends? Just absolutely decimating. Anything that bothers them or gets in their way or pisses them off, they're just like, uh, kill it. Does that not sound like a murderous cabal of an alien race to you? They wouldn't kill people. They would consume their flesh and energy. Who's to say they didn't? <laughs> Quick side note. I don't know if you guys uh keeping up with the Ghislaine Maxwell, 
But uh, they just showed this picture of her and Epstein sitting on the front porch of this cabin. And it's the same cabin that the royal family owns. I call bullshit on that. I call bullshit on that picture. Why do you call bullshit on the picture? Dude, the whole background is different. What do you mean? It's the same cabin. It's Okay, the cabin looks the same, but the literal landscape of the background is different. If you okay, pull but up you also... two pictures right now, there's like rolling hills in one of them and there's not in the other. And there's like trees in some places in one of them and there's trees not in the other. But you also have to look at the years of difference. The picture with the queen in it is from like the 60s, whereas like the Epstein picture is from the 90s. So there's a big time difference there. 30 year of tree growth. I mean, it, landscapes change a lot, especially if you're the royal family. Maybe they went and changed their own fucking landscape. I don't like that they hill They just there. cut out the hills. It's, yeah. it's possible. Excavated them to put children factories underneath. Oh my God. Well, we can't talk about the 27 Club without Jimi Hendrix. If you don't know who Jimi Hendrix is, again, I've said it before, you are on a different planet. Jimi Hendrix is an icon in the rock genre, and to this day he is seen as still one of the most influential guitarists in rock history. His showmanship as well as his technical abilities remain pretty much unmatched. There are some bad motherfucking guitar players out there right now, and have lived since. We gotta remember too, Jimi Hendrix's career was very short, four years or so. Like his Mm. entire career. It was so like meteoric that it felt a lot bigger, or a lot longer at least. On the morning of his death, his girlfriend claims to have woken up to find Hendrix sleeping and proceeded to go to the store for cigarettes. When she got back, she found that Hendrix had gotten sick and was having trouble breathing. She called one of the buddies that they were partying with the night prior and told him about what was happening with Hendrix. He was having a large amount of like respiratory issues and he was choking and coughing and not able to breathe. And he urged her to call 911 immediately. And so she did. The ambulance arrived at about 1130 AM. She rode with Hendrix on the way to the hospital where he suffocated en route. Unofficially, it appears that Jimi Hendrix's death may have been a suicide as the autopsy discovered a dose of nine Vesperax sleeping tablets in his system, which is 18 times the recommended dosage. Maybe he was just really tired. With Hendrix, I guess he suffered from very severe insomnia, Hmm. but these tablets weren't prescribed to him they were prescribed to his girlfriend at the time and taking his insomnia into account i guess maybe you need to take a little bit more but probably not 18 times a normal dose could that possibly have been like an accidental overdose because as you said that wasn't prescribed to him so would he really know like how many to take well do we know what a pill bottle looked like in 1970 because he died in 1970 He died September 18th, 1970. There probably wasn't as much labeling on prescription bottles and stuff like that back then. But even so, it's not his prescription. He probably, throughout his career and throughout his life, had, of course, done drugs. No, take that back. I'm looking at pill bottles from the 70s. They look very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Labels and all. (laughs) So take that back. 
if you're a long time, not necessarily a drug addict, but a recreational drug user, you build up a tolerance to these things. So if you look at it and you go, oh, well, if I took this other pill that was kind of like a sleeping pill and I had to take five of them to feel something or then, of course, you think, obviously, you got to take more. Just a thought. Could be possible. The other rumors suggest that the death was in fact a murder carried out by the Mafia or the CIA. <laughs> Always. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a consistent trend with, with most of these 27 club people. Is the CIA or the Mafia? Not necessarily the Mafia, but yeah, the CIA pops up a lot. Mm. Awakening minds, man. Yep. Moving masses. Well, also look at the role that the CIA played in the counterculture of the 70s. Well, yeah, exactly. The CIA who produced music, it said that even the Grateful Dead was a CIA op band that was put out there to turn people that were questioning the Warren report into drug-addled hippies. <laughs> if you hold on to the history of the CIA, that's very plausible. We gotta do like a CIA episode with obscure conspiracies like that, because that's fascinating. Like a CIA drug running episode? Oh, mm, <laughs> we CIA can do one drug running. The most notable evidence of the murder theory comes from surgeon John Bannister, who operated on Jimmy in the hospital. Bannister said, quote, I recall vividly the very large amounts of red wine that oozed from his stomach and his lungs. And in my opinion, there was no question that Jimi Hendrix had drowned. He drowned in wine? That's what this is pointing to, yeah. I did hear that Jimi Hendrix was very heavy into wine. He loved to drink wine. Well, wine and sleeping pills is definitely a way to go. Yeah, you just go to sleep. But if he had wine in his lungs, is it possible that maybe if he took the sleeping pills and mixed that with the wine that was in his stomach, maybe he... He was feeling ill, right? Yeah. Took the pills, threw up or regurgitated or something, and then aspirated the wine mixture into his lungs. I do that with my own saliva all the time. What the fuck? Like, I just aspirate saliva and I'm like in traffic and people are like, this guy's dying. Let me tell you a little story about aspiration. One day I was hanging out with a friend of mine and he gave me a, an organic chocolate cookie. And he said, oh, yeah, I picked up these organic cookies. They're really fire. You should have one. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was of not right mind at the time. So I kind of like ate the cookie really fast. And all of a sudden I started choking. It was so bad. The feeling lasted for hours. So I, I went home and my fiance, she was she comes home and she goes, what's wrong with you? You've been coughing and coughing and coughing. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It feels crazy. Like it feels like something's like stuck in my chest. So we end up going to the hospital. <laughs> I, go, I go to the emergency room and they give me a chest x-ray. <laughs> turns out that I had aspirated part of an organic cookie and they saw it in my ch in my x-ray <laughs> did they get it out uh, no they said that it just kind of naturally dissolves and you cough it up and whatever which it did but the scarier part of the of the story is when I was getting my chest x-ray um, the x-ray tech he he takes the x-ray and he goes hey have you ever been shot <laughs> what? And I was like, uh, no, not that I know of. I mean, my cousin shot me in the back with a BB gun when I was a kid. But he goes, it's just weird. There's this this spot 
on your x-ray that looks like a piece of metal is stuck in your back. Oh, shit. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to think back, did I get that BB out of my back when I was shot as a kid? <laughs> and uh, it turns out that it was just a bad piece of film, luckily. But yeah, that was the story of me aspirating a chocolate cookie. It's traumatizing. It is. Yeah, it's it doesn't feel nice either. No. It does not. It's not fun. Some people think choking is fun. That type of choking is not fun. <laughs> Choke me harder, daddy. <laughs> oh, God. It's seeping. It's seeping. Erotica Mike is seeping into the normal debriefings. You know, you remind me of my daughter. Oh, God. (laughs) What the fuck? Fuck. Let's get back to the coroner. The coroner went on to say the amount of wine. (laughs) He went on to say, quote, the amount of wine that was over him was just extraordinary. So it was he was wearing the wine as well. Yeah. Not only was it saturated right through his hair and his shirt, but it was in his lungs and his stomach was absolutely filled with wine. Wow. The pathologist who did the autopsy on Hendrix, Donald Tier, reported low blood alcohol level. This supports possible waterboarding as opposed to drinking. Can you imagine being waterboarded what with the fuck? a red? Like a house red? It's more like, explainable away. Mike literally just gave you the perfect workaround as opposed to being waterboarded. He drank too much wine, he vomited it up, it got caught up in his lungs and it was still in his stomach. And you know, it it got on his hair and on his shirt. Mm. Whereas if it was water and he got waterboarded with water, okay, Jimi Hendrix's lungs and stomach are full of water and he's dead from sleeping pills. So it makes it look even more sus now because if the blood alcohol level was low, that means he wasn't drinking and mixing sleeping pills. Exactly. Yeah, because his body would have started to process that alcohol. So if he had a yeah. low alcohol level, that means that his body didn't have time to process that alcohol to get into his bloodstream. Or it wasn't sufficient amount of alcohol inside the body. But if they're talking about as much wine as they're mentioning, I don't know about waterboarding, though. It's also like a time thing. You got to do that for a while. So how long was his girlfriend gone to go and get cigarettes? Long enough for somebody to come into the house and start waterboarding him? I mean, they could have just drowned him with it. That's a loose end that's explained away by people saying that she possibly could have been bought out by the CIA or mafia to help cover it up. Mm. Saying like a CIA operative came in with like a boxed wine and just shoved it in his mouth. I don't know how the CIA goes about doing their assassinations, but yeah, something like that. Hushlings, we will return in a moment. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jordan. And, and we're, we're the Grief Burrito Podcast. Podcast. Do you want to listen to the number one gaming podcast on Podchaser? Of, of course, course you, you do. do. Come on, mister, please. That's what I look for in a video game. How good the glass mechanics are. Glass. Ganon isn't doing much. He's just sort of trapped in a castle like a big old spud. <laughs> Someone take TJ Weems back to Texas. <laughs> no, I'm staying here in the 1960s. It's good around here. Comedy, gaming, and movies. Has can say whatever shit he wants and get away with it. As your tea's ready, come downstairs. I can't, mum. This penguin's not going to kill itself. 
<laughs> I mess up one thing and everyone's like, Jordan, you what? monster. What's, this, what's that say? I think it says he's from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Come here for these accusations. I can't read and I can't differentiate colours. How the heck am I, man? I was the one that turned someone's coach into a squeaky toy. <laughs> Hire me for your children's show. <laughs> like, how? How did you... What? And do you have to pee on it? I, I hope you do. <laughs> Join us every Wednesday on the Grief Burrito Podcast. Fuck. Greetings, Sagittarians. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. And I'm Mystery Mike. Join us on January 10th, 2022 for our 40th debriefing and live show. We sift through the files aimed at dealing with sustainability on our increasingly crowded planet and supposedly to decrease the world population by 90%. Originally signed by President H.W. Bush in 1992 and by leaders of 177 other nations, it is known as Agenda 21. We also travel to New Haven, Connecticut to infiltrate the secret society of Skull and Bones, also known as the Order or the Brotherhood of Death, founded in 1832 at Yale University. We also recap our fourth season, and as always, Hush Hush Trivia, where you can win Hush Hush Apparel. In addition, some news for season five and beyond, as well as our Patreon. Join the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour on Monday, January 10th, for Debriefing 40 live on Facebook, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, for Agenda 21 and Skull and Bones. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I have a quick question for you guys. So let's say that you are in this situation and you're dating some young lady and a CIA agent stops you as you're leaving the house to go get cigarettes and says, hey, we're going to go inside and kill this girl that you're dating with a box of Franzia. Well, <laughs> how much money would it take for you to say, okay, let's do this? That's a hard question to answer because we're not in her shoes. Let's say you were only dating her for like two months. How much money to drown a girl with Franzia? Personally, I, I <laughs> wouldn't be able to do that. But if you look at the relationships of all of these superstars, a lot of these relationships tend to be like superficial. And a lot of it is just for the money, for the clout. This girl's getting laid by a rock star. On his arm every night type of thing. Yeah, so it, it depends. Was she with him because she loved him or was she with him because he had a seemingly unlimited supply of money and drugs and how else can you get an unlimited supply of money and drugs uh, the cia working for the cia interesting i mean they do have stockpiles of cocaine so and lsd that's true that's true big barrels we're gonna get into Janis Joplin a little bit, our next member of the 27 Club. Janis Joplin, she was a powerhouse of blues and rock, a very famous and notable singer. She is one of the most successful and widely known rock stars of her era. She was known for her powerful vocals and her electric stage performances. Like most rock stars, her day-to-day -day life was a blur of partying, drugs, and alcohol. And by the age of 22, she was addicted to meth. Her attitude towards drugs was very open-minded and she was just kind of down for whatever, which again wasn't incredibly uncommon for a rock star to be thinking like that. Truth. They weren't here for a long time, they were here for a good time. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the motto right there, right? Well, in her final hours, she recorded some music at a recording studio. Then she had a couple of drinks and went out with a friend to a bar before going back to her house around 1 a.m. On the morning of October 4th, one of Janice's friends noticed her car wasn't in the garage and became concerned. The friend couldn't reach her by phone after several tries, so he got the manager of the building to give him a key to her apartment. Can we just say that Janice Joplin died about a month after Jimi Hendrix? Yeah. Mm, curious. Also 1970, and this was in October. So it was about three weeks or so. I think he died, what, September 13th or 18th, and this was October 4th. It's very sus that those are very close together. After the manager entered the apartment, that's when they found Joplin lying on the floor on her left side between a chair and the bed, and the singer was already deceased. Joplin's autopsy report said investigators found paraphernalia like gauze with dried blood in the garbage, a, quote, hype kit, which is a setup for shooting heroin that included a syringe and a needle and a teaspoon with a telltale black smudge at the bottom. Her death was officially ruled as an overdose, and over the decades, it's never really been questioned. That's because during this period of time, several other drug users who had the same batch of heroin overdosed that same week in the area, which seemed to provide some sort of ironclad proof. The only dispute for this, again, is the CIA, but there's no real strong direct links to the CIA taking out Janis Joplin or really having a motive to. Besides, you know, just like everybody else, she had the ability to move masses of people with her words and wake people up to shit going on. This case is a little bit more simple. This case is probably just a heroin overdose. Tragic. Unfortunate, wow. yeah. The timing could just be a coinkydink. Well, it could be a coincidence, but it, it, it's one of the things that really got the 27 Club going. This this short span of time where people were croaking at the age of 27. That, mm. That's what led into it. Next on our infamous list, we have Jim Morrison. Now, Jim Morrison was a singer, a poet, and a songwriter, as well as the lead vocalist for The Doors. Morrison is regarded by music critics and fans as one of the most iconic and influential frontmen in rock history. Throughout his career, Jim Morrison, like many others in the club, developed an alcohol dependency. It often affected his stage performances and his personal life. In late 1967, at a concert in New Haven, Connecticut, City. he was arrested on stage, an incident that further added to his rebellious image. Morrison was the first rock star to be arrested on stage during a live performance. That's pretty badass, actually. <laughs> that holds the cake for probably being like, I'm the first rock star to get ever put in handcuffs on stage. For sure. Morrison had told his bandmates that he was going to Paris with his girlfriend, Pamela Corson. They all thought it was a good idea. Take a break. Get the fuck out of here, Jim. Mm -hmm. And they all agreed that he needed a change of scenery. Little did they know that Jim wouldn't be coming home from Paris. The official story of Jim Morrison's death is as follows. He took Pamela to see a movie and then treated her for dinner. Typical date. Hmm. They returned to the apartment that they were renting, 1960s Airbnbs, and were listening to music. After winding down, Jim felt it was time to take a nice, warm, bubbly bath. Jim Morrison passed away in that bathtub due to a heart attack that night of July 3rd, 1971, which just so happens to be exactly two years after Brian Jones passed away. Coinky dinks. 
although just like many others in the club, there is a second version of Jim's death that has surfaced in recent years. The second story suggests that the musician died of an overdose in a Paris nightclub, only to be hauled back to his apartment by two drug dealers who then left his body in the tub, possibly planting it, possibly trying to resuscitate him from the overdose. It's kind of up in the air. That's the theory I've heard, is that it was a botched drug mishap and people dumped his body. Yeah. Unfortunately, at the time, French law did not require a post-mortem examination of the body, leaving Jim Morrison's passing even more mysterious. Jim had battled drug and alcohol addictions and moved to Paris to get clean. Jim's girlfriend died three years later, you guessed it, of a drug overdose. This is interesting because we mentioned that he died July 3rd of 1971. Jimi Hendrix dying in September of 1970, right? Mm -hmm. You have Janis Joplin dying in October of 1970. You have Jim Morrison dying in July of 1971. And then that would mean Brian Jones died in 1969. Yeah. You got all that right there. But just focusing on these three, if you really look at Jim Morrison... Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, huge figureheads of kind of that psychedelic revolution that was happening throughout the 70s and and mid-60s. And if you relate that to the possibility of interaction from the CIA, during that time of, of psychedelics, you also have protesting and you have a lot of political action being taken by the same group of people who are followers of these three musicians and even some some talking about it in their music and talking about it in commentary like i said if you relate it to the cia it's kind of interesting that within this short period of time you have these three major people all dying and that is like a big hit to that counterculture I don't know if it's just like me trying to connect dots, but realistically, like looking at the short period of time between these three, it's less than a year where all three of these people have died and it's mysterious and it's under weird circumstances and whatnot. In my head somewhere, I'm thinking that if the CIA was involved, it was like a big thing where they just wanted to take out these people to make a big hit against that counterculture. You're not grasping at straws by any chance. Like, a a lot of other people have the same exact thought process, and a lot of other people draw it up to the same conclusion. Not saying that you've definitely made up your mind that that's the case, but it's definitely plausible. Just something that I was thinking about, just holding on to that CIA thought, you know. Not out of the realm of possibility. Well, Hushlings, we're going to move forward a little bit, 20 or so years later. We're going to talk about Kurt Cobain. And if you guys didn't know, the dude from the Foo Fighters looks just like the drummer from that band. But never mind. (laughs) Kurt Cobain and his grunge band Nirvana took the world by storm in the early 1990s. Kurt was an icon to Generation X. Their album, Nevermind, swept the nation, reaching number one on the billboards in the winter of 1991 through 1992. Kurt also battled depression. He had chronic bronchitis throughout his life as well. Suffered from intense stomach pains that was pretty much undiagnosed chronic condition. Did he have Crohn's disease or something like that? I don't know if it's ever... It kind of sounds like it. Yeah. But he self-medicated with drugs, starting with cannabis and LSD and ultimately leading himself to a heroin addiction. Unfortunately, in April of 1994, Kurt was found dead from a gunshot wound to the head in his Seattle home. 
Cobain is legally recognized to have committed suicide. However, some discrepancies in the police report have led some to believe otherwise. This might be more than just a simple suicide. Many believe that Kurt's partner, Courtney Love, murdered him and covered it up as a suicide. A few key points supporting this theory would be the fact that Courtney was in the process of filing for divorce around the time of his death, which would in fact mean that if he were to pass away, she would acquire the majority of his assets. That's fishy. You know, I would love, even if it's like a short Patreon episode, to maybe look into the Kurt Cobain case there. Oh, let's do it. it. Let's do it. Courtney kept a journal, and later it was unveiled that she was practicing Kurt's handwriting, most likely to fabricate a suicide note. And Kurt had so much heroin in his system that it would have been nearly impossible for him to shoot himself before he overdosed. Kurt's sister said that as a kid, Kurt talked about how he wanted to join the 27 Club. Shortly after Cobain's death, his mother Wendy O'Connor proclaimed, now he's gone and joined that stupid club. I told him not to join that stupid club. That's wild. That's something I didn't know. Yeah, he had this weird, I wouldn't say obsession, but he almost envied the people in the 27 Club. He looked up to them. People can argue me, but he's up in the same realm as these people when it comes to musical icons, so. Yep, infamous. He told his mother, I'm going to be a superstar musician, kill myself, and go out in a flame of glory. I want to be rich and famous and kill myself like Jimi Hendrix. These were the eerie words of Kurt Cobain at only 14 years old. Yeah, we definitely should look into a Kurt Cobain episode. I would love to do that. Oh, absolutely. Amy Winehouse is our next member of the 27 Club. And for all of you that don't know, Amy Winehouse was an English teacher as well as a songwriter. I did not know that. Fun facts. She was known around the world for her beautiful singing and diversified style of music, a mix of soul, blues, and jazz. Her career in music took off extremely fast after her first album, Frank, earning her both awards and financial freedom. With her first large six-figure paycheck, she purchased an apartment in London's Camden neighborhood. With little to do besides work on her music, she embraced her new surroundings by becoming a regular at many local pubs, where she would go on to meet Blake Fielder Civil. The two developed a relationship rather fast, a toxic one to say the least. Not very civil. No, Mm. no. (laughs) He was the person to introduce heroin and, of course, other narcotics to Amy. It was after the two met that Amy's life began to spiral out of control. Between the heavy alcoholism, drug use, and the turmoil of their relationship, her lifestyle began to shape the demise of her career. She was booed off stage multiple times for being so drunk that she forgot the lyrics. At this point in time, she was canceling more shows than she was playing. Winehouse was quoted as saying, I have a feeling I'm gonna die young. And in 2008, her former personal assistant, Alex Haynes, quoted, She reckoned she would join the 27 Club of rock stars who died at that age. She told me, I have a feeling I'm gonna die young. Another one. Mm. It's like they know. So it seems. There's like a weird pull. Knowing, but no care. But that's kind of the here for a good time, not a long time, right? Exactly. It goes back to that. Think about it. uh, If you're a heroin addict, or even if you're 
I don't know if there's like a, an occasional recreational use of heroin, but if you're using heroin, you're taking that chance that you're going to die every time that you use it. True. That care factor is like nil. It's already gone. It's, it's kind of an afterthought at that point. Mm-hmm. Winehouse checked back into rehab in the spring of 2011. She checked out in May with the hope of putting it all back together. But her final performance was a shambolic disaster in Belgrade, Serbia in early June. She was found dead in her dirty, dingy home on July 23rd. And that fall, the autopsy disclosed that she had died of alcohol poisoning. Her blood alcohol level was 0.416% at the time of death. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's pretty major right there. What is it, 0.08 is intoxicated? Unlike the majority of the others that we've listed, alcohol was definitely the main factor in Amy Winehouse's case. With the hard drugs and narcotics, she flirted with them a little bit, but it never became like a huge, huge problem. She was on and off again. She wasn't using until she overdosed. It was the alcohol that got her, unfortunately. Blood alcohol level, your body starts to really shut off around the higher points of 0.2.3. She probably just had her whole body just shut down. Pounding whole bottles of whiskey or something before it hits you? No intervals of drinking because I think a lot of people have a misconception that when you drink a lot, if you eat something, oh, it's going to make me less drunk. Wrong. Mm -mm. Completely inaccurate. It's body fat, body weight, and time if she was pounding six fucking 450s of jack daniels that's probably going to kill you and if you recall towards the end of her life she was a mess dude yeah you know with the paparazzi taking pictures you would see her in all these magazines and she was she was a mess oh yeah there's pictures of her out there in a bra and pajamas out on the street smoking crack crazy stuff and you can find uh videos of her drunken performances and it's honestly really sad to see talent like that kind of tarnished by that lifestyle that's about going to do it for who we're going to list those are really the big players in the 27 club we're gonna get into some broader conspiracies possibly some explanations for why the number 27 why did they get access to the club why do these people have memberships we're going to delve into astrology a little bit. We don't necessarily do that often, but in this case, a lot of people support it for the 27 Club. Now, in astrology, the return of Saturn. The return of Saturn occurs when Saturn circles back to its position at the time of your birth. One Saturn cycle takes about 29.4 years, but astrologers say that its influence starts being felt on a personal level at the age of 27. And when Saturn returns for its first time, a person crosses over a major threshold and enters into adulthood. It's a time when relationships end, parents die, and careers change. One can get lost in these changes and be sucked down into an abyss or pushed through and experience a whole new level of satisfaction with life. Micah Dank is going to be so proud of us on this. I hope so. <laughs> Shout out, Micah. 27 is around the same is around the time when the male brain becomes an adult or 25 yeah rather. 25 25 so you're in that same window of like waking up into this when you realize the whole world is shit no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the new adult brain the mm -hmm. new adult brain holy fuck our parents lied to us either way it's a time of confusion and intensity that's described by some as a second adolescence i'd say that 
mid-20s into the 30s. Now add up being a creative soul, managing the stress of fame, and battling a drug or alcohol addiction, and you've got a dangerous recipe for a possible deadly outcome. Astrology is kind of one of those weird things. You know, whenever Mercury is in retrograde, people sit there and they, they're like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde, my entire life is going to go to shit. And I'm not sure if that's a realistic thing. I mean, energy is obviously a real thing, and positive and negative energies are a real thing. But I often wonder, people that go into the Mercury on retrograde or the return of Saturn or anything like that are just kind of interpreting bad things that happen to them and just attributing it to whatever. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not necessarily going to knock the Saturn return theory or astrology as a whole just because I don't understand it. I know what you mean. A lot of troubles somebody might be having in their life or even successes that somebody might be having in their life can typically be attributed to some broad spectrum labeling that you found in some astrology book, something that you can link to your personal life. And I get that. And I know that people dump their entire lives into astrology Dude, I was at the bookstore the other day, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books on astrology, and I just, I, I didn't get it. I, I cracked open several of them, and it was too broad for me to grasp. But I'm not going to knock it, because I, I believe in some pretty wild shit, and I mean, hey, if this is what you believe, this is what you believe. I wouldn't say knocking it. I just think sometimes when you have that belief system, it can apply to really anything, not just astrology in general, but... When you have that belief system, you use that as like the de facto reasoning behind bad things happening in your life. But the Saturn return is it's very interesting. Never heard of it before. How about some satanic pacts? Mm, this is where it gets interesting. Yeah, this is where it gets interesting. We take a turn from Saturn and we take the staircase down into the fire depths of hell. Deals with the devil. It's one of the most common explanations of the 27 Club, individuals seeking talent, fame, and fortune, selling their souls to Satan for riches. Many of the individuals in the club speak on feeling like their time was near, or limited, as if they were already aware of it, as if they had signed up for it. But why at the age of 27? Supporters of this theory link it back to Robert Johnson and his alleged deal with the devil. He set the age to 27 for the devil to collect his soul. The age stayed the same, the deal stayed the same. All that changed was the people who made the same pact. That is one thing that I was thinking of. We said, especially with Robert Johnson, he was only starting to gain that notoriety for what, three years or something? Like that was his career length? Why set it to 27? Why be like, oh yeah, just give me three years? Maybe that was the devil's number that he gave them. Hmm. Mm. Well, think about this, all these people, probably had some fun and lots of success and fame, some shorter than others, but they're immortal, essentially. Maybe it's, you'll get to this age, but you'll live on forever in infamy. Nobody will ever forget who Kurt Cobain is. Ever. Truth. Truth. Let's move on to the Erickson explanation. A German psychologist, Eric Erickson, yo, his parents hated him. Mad original. <laughs> Super bored. A German psychologist named Eric Erikson developed a theory about the eight stages of psychological development, which happen from birth to 65 and sometimes older. And according to Erikson, the psychological crisis that occurs between the ages of 18 and 35, because we're not set up to fucking go into this world, 
It's a struggle between intimacy and isolation. A person at this developmental stage may ask themselves, will I share my life with someone or be alone forever? Simple question. Complex answers. <laughs> Theoretically, someone prone to substance abuse and isolation, cough, cough, uh, famed musicians, may find this crisis impossible to get through, losing themselves and even their lives during a very crucial time in life, which just so happens to be around the age of 27 on average. Eric Erickson is just kind of explaining it away with a more psychological aspect. No, no deals with the devil, no astrology, but just the mental space that you're in when you're at this age. I could say from experience, yeah. There's also the argument that the whole 27 Club mystery has been explained away by statistics. Looking at a wide range of ages, the particular lifestyle that these people were living, it was only a matter of time before the general statistics of life expectancy caught up with them. But looking further into... Reddit conspiracies, there's not a whole lot of unique Reddit conspiracies regarding the 27 Club, but there was a, a little interesting thing, again, with numerology, because, you know, conspiracy theorists, if there's no fucking numbers, we don't know what to do. So if you take the number 27 and you divide it by 3, and 27 is a denomination of 3, and 3 and 33 are very important numbers to Freemasons and the general cabal. That's why they attribute 27 to being the number that these famous people will die at. So I guess, that's, that's really the extent of what I found on Reddit is uh, numerology as it pertains to the number 3. I also found something on numerology. Now, this source says in numerology, the number 27 reduces to the number of nine, which represents the end of a cycle. These transitional cycles are highly charged and can be too much for some to handle. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it sounds like it's just a number form of what Erickson was saying. How do you guys handle the number nine? Pretty bad. Yeah? Just kidding. How do I handle it? Yeah, like how, how... I like to caress it because the number nine has some beautiful curves. Mm, you can flip the nine, too. <laughs> ba 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 Buzzing. What do you think about Johnson? Deal with the devil or just unfortunate death? Johnson is a weird one. The short amount of time that he went from relatively unknown to all of a sudden being a virtuoso, almost, with his guitar and his music is very weird but if anybody made a deal with the devil it was brian johnson i just still don't understand why if you made a deal with the devil you would only give yourself three years there's got to yeah. be something to it i honestly think with him it was just a marketing ploy just be really bad at it and then all of a sudden explode onto the scene one day jimmy hendrix what do you think Jimi Hendrix is very, very weird case, especially with all that wine and finding wine in his lungs. I do think that maybe if he took those sleeping pills and just drank and drank and drank a ton of wine, he could have vomited and aspirated wine into his lungs. That's But when it comes to Hendrix and Joplin and Morrison, I really... I'm starting to go down the road of thinking that CIA was involved, maybe not with all of them, or maybe with all of them, but that they had some sort of hand in it. 
mostly because if you take out the leaders of this counterculture and the leaders of the psychedelic revolution, then you're really taking jabs at the group in general. That's always been a thing of the CIA to break down other groups or build groups to, to break down other groups. So yeah, I think those three together are just kind of curious and might be CIA related. Oh, you want to talk about Kurt Cobain? I will tell you, Courtney Love fucking killed him, and she can come at me for that. Amy Winehouse, terrible, sad, tragic, just alcoholism got her in the end. I want to agree with you with most of these. When it comes to Johnson, it's a very peculiar case, especially with the selling your soul to the devil. And With Hendrix, Morrison, and Joplin, I, I, I want to lean towards what you're thinking. The proximity of dates of these artists and the similarities in music and the culture. On top of rampant drug use, there was that, and alcoholism. That plays a factor, but it's also a good scapegoat because, oh, well, they just died of a drug overdose. For me, Kurt Cobain, agree with you as well. Courtney Love, shot him in the face. And Amy Winehouse for me is just, like you said, tragedy. Massive alcohol overdose and terrible. But all in all, it's very peculiar. The psychological aspects of this whole thing, especially with the age group, maybe the 30s now, so going through that time period was definitely challenging. I could see throwing fame and drug use into that and not having a normal lifestyle. I mean, you're not home. And if you are home, it's this probably crazy, lavish environments that you're in, whether you have one, two, three houses. It's, it's a very different psychological aspect that I can't see is the fame. Might do some damage. That's my take on this. I used to work for Hard Rock, and they had a massive 27 Club display in one of their restaurants. Frank? Frank's final thought. For my final thoughts, I'm going to start with Richard Johnson because he's the front and center, the very beginning, the origins of the 27 Club. I'm not positive if he'd necessarily made a deal with the devil, but I don't think that it was a marketing ploy. I, from what I've read, from what I've heard, there's too many people in his personal life that swear by the fact that he was just absolute garbage and just crawled up out of the gutter to glory one day, just out of nowhere. I won't necessarily say that he definitely made a deal with the devil, but maybe he asked for some higher power guidance, some sort of deity and Maybe something in some dimension and some time zone answered his plea. When it comes to Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, I think his bandmates had the means and the motive to take him out and a fantastic cover-up. He drowned while under the influence, easy as that. Like we said with Jimi Hendrix, Joplin, and Jim Morrison, the CIA might very well be an easy write-off. I just can't get around the fact that they were all 27. Maybe it's just coincidental. I don't think the CIA would like necessarily want to take them all out at the age of 27. It's more so the span of time that these people died. That's like the eyebrow raiser. So yeah, maybe they were trying to take out the forefronts of the psychedelic rock movement, which obviously they were opposed to. Which leads me to Kurt Cobain. Like we mentioned earlier, we'd love to do a whole episode on it, and we think that this case deserves a whole episode on it. Courtney Love, like Mike and Dave have already stated, absolutely killed him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This dude didn't kill himself. I refuse to believe it. And Amy Winehouse is just a tragedy. I can't think of any conspiratorial aspect to it besides the fact that she fell into a rough life of drugs and alcohol which she inevitably abused to the point of her passing.
a very interesting take on a uh, maybe coincidental conspiracy. That's going to do it for the 27 Club. What do you think, Hushlings? Did we miss anything? Are there any celebrities that we should have talked about that we didn't? There is a long list. Reach out to us. You can hit us up at contact at hushhushsociety.com as always. Be sure to tune in for Debriefing 40, which will be our live show. We'll be covering Agenda 21 as well as Skull and Bones. We'll be streaming on Facebook Live on January 10th, 7 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. Be there, be square. It's going to be a banger. Giveaways, trivia. We're going to do a season recap. You already know the vibe. We're going to be chatting with you in the chat. It'll be fun. Stop by. It's going to be a good one, Hushlings. We have a lot of things for our next season that we are excited to talk about as well. Until next time, preceptors, we exit stage right or left. Your choice. Front and center stage dive. Center yeah, stage, stage dive. Off. Send it, motherfucker. Nobody catch me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.